and welcome to the Eye on the U podcast, Miami Herald, Miami Hurricanes podcast. I'm David Wilson, and I'm joined, as always, on the other line by Susan Miller-Degnan, our Hurricanes beat writer here at the Herald. Susan, what's going on? Uh, post-signing day. Well-rested. <laughs> what? Well-rested. Oh, uh, yeah. One night of good rest, correct. Exactly. Now we get to coast a little bit, hopefully, until uh, the bowl prep get started over the weekend uh we're going to talk mostly signing day today though obviously um you know it's kind of when when you hire mario cristobal obviously you're hiring him to win games but you're also hiring him to win signing day right like and uh nine days after he gets to campus he uh gets to to run signing day right he gets that this is like what in in some ways his super bowl usually when you think of the way that he's able to recruit uh, the track record he has. Um, and, you know, it's not the biggest class. It's not going to be the most highly ranked class as we're recording this. They are number 62 uh, in the nation, uh, albeit with only uh, eight players committed, right? Is that what they wound up with? Eight. Uh, yep. Hopefully they're, they're hoping they're going to add a couple more maybe Friday and then obviously going forward. Um, but I, I think even though they only get eight guys committed, uh, I think it was a, a win for Mario Cristobal, right? He, he the yeah. he's able, you know, he lands one big recruit yesterday night. Kelly from Dillard keeps the you know the, the four star guys that Manny Diaz got. Um, it was kind of like it, obviously no one was ever expecting this to be a top ten class. I think people are kind of maybe hoping they can get it up into the you know, 20 ish range, probably when, by the time uh, all is said and done, they've got a bunch of kind of elite guys. They're still in the mix for, uh, and I think, I think signing day one went pretty much as well as Miami could hope for, obviously noting that there are a couple of guys who who are still going to make their decisions Friday who they're in the mix for. So it could go one way or the other, but uh, as far as just day one, the first Wednesday of the early signing period that he gets to work in Miami, I think went about as well as you could have imagined. For sure. I mean, like you said, he kept the four-star guys. Um, you know, he got his, the defensive end, the four-star defensive end who was, you know, who was uncommitted before that. Uh, Nigelic, if I'm saying it right, Kelly. And uh, out of Dillard, and that's a that's always a coup. If if you can get the guy, if you can get a really top player from your backyard, so now he's got you know the one Broward player, and um, you know he he got you know uh, Wesley Bassaint, the the linebacker out of um, Miami Central. So um, that was the that was the Miami Dade coup. I mean, I I, I think Ma- we know that Mario is going to go for South Florida kids, and right. he's going to get them right in the in the in the near future. But he he didn't have time, right? Like he even told us he didn't really know I, some of the guys he had recruited himself at Oregon, but you know he didn't a lot of them he didn't know, and he had to be careful, you know, and and be selective and. It's tough when you haven't developed a relationship over the over the months before. Um, so I think he I think he did really well. Yeah, and that's how they get Nigel Lee Kelly. Basically, uh, he was kind of viewed as an Oregon lean before Mario left. So that was just kind of a natural right. uh, collision there. Where obviously he comes to Miami, and Nigel Lee was he was considering Miami before uh, Mario Cristobal got there. Miami got him on campus a couple of times in the last month. 
So uh, Manny Diaz actually kind of like laid a little bit of the, the foundation there. Um, yeah, I mean, sure. look at, so okay. the one thing I, I have tried to keep like talking about with people when they're like, why does Miami have so few local kids committed is in terms of the recruiting rankings is a pretty weak class for South Florida. Um, right. And so you look at basically the, the, the local kids who committed yesterday. Uh, you got Marvin Jones Jr. went to Georgia. You've got Earl Little Jr. went to Alabama. You got Kenyatta Jackson who went to Ohio State. And then obviously you've got Nigel Lee Kelly and um, Wesley Vesaint. There's also uh, Julian Armella who wound up uh, committing to Florida State after originally saying he was going to hold off. So uh, you've got uh, like two of the top seven or whatever went to Miami, which is not what you want, obviously. You know, Miami would love to have more. Uh, they typically are a little bit better uh, in terms of grabbing like the elite of the elite. Although those elite of the elite, like the elite, like the five stars typically have gone to Alabama. They've gone to Ohio state. They've gone to Georgia and you kind of saw the same thing this year. So I think the question with Mario going forward is going to be, can he keep those guys home? And we, we didn't really get a, a sense of whether that's going to be the case. You know, if, if he was here the whole cycle is Marvin Jones, a hurricane is Earl little junior a hurricane. Um, right. Kenyatta Jackson, a, a hurricane. Like those are the guys who Miami kind of ultimately was never really in the mix for Earl a little bit, obviously being a, a um, legacy. Um, the other two though, you know, just kind of always seemed like they were going to head elsewhere. Would Mario have been being here the whole cycle have, has changed their perceptions of the university of Miami is like a question we'll never know. Um, but it's going to be the, the biggest question that kind of defines whether he is a success here moving forward. And obviously the one the, you get probably the most positive sign, obviously out of the day is, is getting Nigel e. Kelly. And it seems like it was basically just, you know, it didn't even seem like Mario had to put in like extra work to get him. Right. It was like, he showed up in Miami and everyone was like, Oh, he's going to go to Miami. Now he built up that relationship. <laughs> um, so that, right. that was obviously a, a, a positive development. Seemed like they got into Earl Little a little bit, but it kind of seems like he always was just going to wind up at Alabama no matter what, um, which is hard to blame a, a cornerback for, right? The, how many great cornerbacks yeah. produced. Um, hard to blame anybody. Yeah, and a pe- particular cornerbacks because of Nick Saban's work with defensive backs. But um, I, I think the Nigel e. Kelly signing is a, a a big, you know, it's that's pretty big. And then obviously – the fact that he's able to keep everyone basically who matters in the fold. Like I said, it's, it's a good hint of what he can do, but I think the real sign of what he's going to be is going to be what he can do going forward. Uh, he's going to be, you know, we're waiting on Cyrus Moss potentially to come in on Friday. They're, they're trying, they're hoping they can flip Jaleel Skinner from Alabama. Uh, both those guys were on campus over the weekend. Kevin Coleman, uh, who is signing at some point this week, but won't make his decision public until next month. Um, you know, those are, those are four elite, you know, top 100 prospects, um, all from out of state, uh, Skinner played at IMG, but originally from South Carolina that, you know, if he can pull in a couple of those guys, I think it's going to change. I mean, it'll change the shape of this class a lot. I don't know where their ranking would jump to if they got those three, but it would obviously vault way up there because those are three guys who would be three of their four highest ranked recruits. So, so they're not done. I think is, is probably the feeling, you know, is, is a positive start. Um, but they're not done. And it, it's a lot easier to be optimistic when you know that there's still big pieces out on the board. But I think obviously everyone feels sure. like Mario Cristobal reeling them in than Manny Diaz. Oh, yeah. I, 
I think the many, you know, the many Diaz situation, it was obvious. He, 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 I mean, they didn't fire him until right before they hired Mario, you know, on December 6th. So the whole whole time for recruits, it was like they never, nobody ever really knew. Manny, Manny didn't even know. So, um, yeah, that had to be very tough if you're a recruit um, to know what the heck's going on there and to be secure about your decision about who your coaches are going to be. Um, so that was obvious. I think Mario, I think Mario is going to end up doing great um, as he always does. And I think, I think the Canes need to win some games. Yeah. Um, I mean, that, that's the biggest thing. Yeah. I definitely think they need to win some games and, and then Mario will, you know, take over, but the, the winning part is, yeah, that's, that's never easy. The winning part. Yeah. So Miami gets those three guys, um, which I don't, I don't think they're going to get all three, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, mm-hmm. They would jump up to the number 21 class. And again, that would be only with 11 commits. So that, and the, and the, the class rankings are cumulative. It helps to have a lot of, bodies in your class so uh right yeah, like they, they, they're they, they're decent enough shape uh, obviously the transfer portal was always kind of the plan to be a, a heavy part of this um i think the class was always going to be a little small because of all the extra guys with the covid year miami is playing over the scholarship limit this year um and i i think there's going to be a numbers crunch potentially although obviously there's going to be more guys transferring out with mario here rather than manny um, just kind of naturally what happens after a coaching change. Um, but yeah, as, as you mentioned, you know, wins are, you know, I, I talked, I did a story this week talking to a, a bunch of local coaches, um, all of whom have had at least one of those like four star guys that, that people are after uh-huh. the biggest, you know, just asking each, about each of the three Florida schools. And the biggest thing they said about Miami is like, they just got to win, right? Like there is, there are obviously more more things that they could have done better, but but the most simple way for them to just get to that recruiting level is they've got to win games. You always get a little bit of a bump with a new coach because you can sell the vision of we're going to be good in two years or whatever. You, you kind of see it with Florida State, obviously a team that has not had a winning season in, in three years, but has a top 15 recruiting class this year because Mike Norvell is still able to sell that vision of – we're still building what I want to put into place. Um, right. Players going to be able to do that this year. They're probably also going to be better than Florida State has been the last couple of years. Uh, you know, I think everyone's expectation is going to be nine, ten plus wins. Um, but they're they're going to be able to sell that vision. And if you compare it with wins, again, I, they're, there's always going to lose kids to Alabama. They're always going to lose some kids to Georgia because you know. It's just it's obvious why because those are around yeah. Georgia, but if you can, as a lot of coaches put it, the the difference is going to be: are you losing the top three kids or are you losing like one of the top three kids to out of state? And that's the you know that was the difference with the twenty one class where they land Leonard Taylor and James Williams. Um, and it's obviously the hope is you know that's kind of been an outlier, right? That twenty one class is an outlier class in South Florida where Miami cleaned up locally. Um, if they can make that a regular occurrence, then obviously it changes a lot. Um, and obviously that that's going to be the foundation of what Mario Cristobal did. And, and in his press conference yesterday, he spent a lot of time, like basically saying that's got to be 
the focus, right? Making it clear that yep. that's the focus moving forward. You know, talking about how Dade Broward and Palm Beach are different kind of football, like clearly trying to like, you know, he's trying to appeal to, to the audience that, that he's knows he's got to get to stay home. Yep. And I think kids, they really like the idea that it's uh, like you're saying, it's a, like a, in a way, a brand new program. Right. So they feel was, like they have he a has better to the same thing when he got here too, the new Miami. Right. right? Yeah. So they feel they have a, a better chance, let's say, to get on the field. You know what I mean? He hasn't seen everybody. They, they have more of an equal shot. I think they think mm-hmm. uh, might be true. And uh, like you said, those kids going into the transfer portal, yeah, it's going to be honestly, even though this will never come out on the record, but it's going to be Mario, uh, you know, kind of. Yeah, making it clear that this guy is not. That they're not, maybe not going to get as much. Or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah, that maybe they should consider whatever moving on because they might not fit into his plans as, as much. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. That, so that that is going to start happening, actually. Yeah. I think, and the biggest thing I think we have learned so far, as I said, the, the, can he keep South Florida home is going to really be a question uh, for the 2023 class. Plus uh, he's in the mix for the number one player in, in the state uh, and Shamar Stewart from Monsignor Pace. Uh, that'll be a good, good sign. But the thing we did learn is he's going to be in there on the national guys in a way that Miami just has not been right where, you know, Miami obviously gets yeah. guys from around the country uh, particularly, you know, quarterback is a national recruiting position for them. Their starters from Connecticut, their backup is from California, and now their new guys from Georgia, um, Jakari Brown. And you know, you always get like Miami did a pretty good job, I think, of finding like the three star guys from out of state who like you know guys like Corey Flag, right? Who, who they know for whatever reason, you know, maybe a little overlooked. And, and if they were playing in South Florida would be like stars, right. would be like, just, just in that, in that they would be like the low, they're kind of the local legend type guys, even Landon Ibieta who was committed um, until Tuesday. Like they've done a good job finding those guys who are the kind of the hometown heroes right. in their hometown, not getting the love from the hometown team. Um, but we've not seen Miami in on a guy like, Cyrus Moss, right? The, who's a, one of the top five or, or six defensive ends in the country from Vegas. Like that is just not a thing we've seen. And it seems like they're in a really good position now to land him on uh, Friday when he's scheduled to sign. And that is the product. One, I think of Mario Cristobal having been in a lot of different places, right? He obviously was at FIU in Miami. So he's recruited South Florida. He was at Rutgers, um, so he recruited New Jersey, which is a pretty good talent uh, hotbed. Uh, obviously, in Alabama, you recruit everywhere. And then in Oregon, right. the priority was the West Coast. So he's got these relationships everywhere. And then just the fact that he's, you know, for what he is a good recruiter. Like, however you define what makes a guy a good recruiter, he is good at it. And that's going to put Miami in the mix for these, these national guys. And, you know, people want to say you got to own South Florida, but – you ask some of these old canes, right? How many of their best players came from out of state? A lot of them, right? And it, your foundation is obviously South Florida guys, but you got to supplement that with the studs from out of state. And that is the thing that that's in a lot of ways, kind of the difference between Miami being like a good program and being a great program, an elite program, all the best programs recruit nationally. And right. it's a, we, we saw a glimpse of 
if Miami can get to that point where they're a 10 win team every season, the thing that's going to take them over the top is winning those national recruiting battles. And we've seen that at least Mario is going to be in them in a way that Miami has not really been Save again, quarterback, tight end. There's a couple of positions where they're always recruiting nationally, but they're going to be in the mix for, for a lot of these guys. Yeah. And, uh, you know, some of these positions are, I mean, like, like the linebacker position. I mean, there some of them are a huge need, a huge need yes. for me. And now with Mario here, you know, I, I know they got the big star linebacker yesterday. Um, but, you know, for example, the defensive linemen, you know, defensive ends. Um, yeah, I think that's, you know, the combination of Mario and UM uh, badly needing right to to fill that spot or fill those positions is going to um is good it's just going to be a formula that really helps um so i think i think they're gonna i think he'll end up being okay i mean i you know and i i i next year is a whole nother year but i think he'll um he'll do the most he'll make the best out of what you know the most with what he has i think yeah, there's a couple, you know, another thing I got just from talking to all of those South Florida coaches is that, like, kind of the number one priority for a lot of these kids is to go play right away. Um, you you, you right. see it, especially yeah. when they go to Nebraska or something, right, where they're out of state, they're in a weird, you know, a different environment for them, a weird right. situation. If they're not playing right away, they, they get frustrated. And we see it in Miami, obviously, too. But so Miami has that appeal right now, like you said, where guys are going to come in and play. Like, I, I don't know if they get Wesley Bissett if um, they're – and, again, he's a guy who committed to Manny Diaz, right? So I don't know if they get Wesley Bissett if they are uh, in this shaky – you know, if, if Manny is in a shaky position and, and Wesley does not think he, there's a good chance that he's going to come in and play right away. Not Obviously, he's not going to be guaranteed a starting job or something like that, but right. he's in good position. Um, another thing I think that's going to help Miami, and, and this is something I talked with Wesley about, is, um, you know, they – the home t- – there, there is a different – with the NIL now, there is a different thing where, like, the local kid stays home and is a star right away. Like, if you ask 100 Miami fans right now who their favorite player is, Tyler Van Dyke is probably the number one answer. But James Williams is probably the number two answer already, right? And he is like a oh for sure. And there's like, would would people feel the same way if he was just a guy from Georgia or whatever? I don't know. I think the fact that he is a South Florida guy, a Miami guy, who is like a hardcore Canes fan, like totally agree. City, um, right. And also really good. Like right. look, Cam Kinchins, James Williams, Leonard Taylor, like those are already three of the probably like 10 most popular players on the roster and maybe the number yep. is even smaller. Um, and I think there are guys that that is a pitch that whether it's something that Mario is, is explicitly making or not, I think it's something that appeals to like a guy like Wesley Bassain that has to appeal to a guy like Nigel e. Kelly. And um, personally, I think it should be part of the pitch to Shamar Stewart. Uh, as they're trying to recruit him ahead of the February signing day. Uh, and, you know, Mario, I asked him about the NIL stuff yesterday, and he said he's good with it. Like, a lot of coaches have kind of balked at it. Um, a lot of coaches obviously have embraced it. You see how Jackson State is able to land Travis Hunter from Florida State. That's not happening if it's not for the NIL stuff. You're seeing Texas 
getting all these offensive linemen because they're NIL deals in place to pay their offensive linemen $50,000 a year. Um, right. Miami doesn't, other than the Dan Lambert thing, that's giving guys, you know, a couple thousand dollars a year, which is obviously not nothing, but it's not $50,000. They don't have that kind of framework in place in the way that some of these big major blue blood programs have. But I, I think these guys see a, a real opportunity, especially the local guys who know they can come in and play right away and be popular right away um, to, to, to make some pretty good money early on. You know, uh, James sure. had some good NIL deals. Definitely. And, and, and Mario is like, like you said, he's all in on it and he should be. Yeah. I South Florida. I mean, South Florida, there's, there's a lot of good marketing opportunities in South Florida and with these kids, I agree. Um, yeah. So, wow. Uh, should we, you want to just like run through this class real quick? And, you know, obviously it's, uh, we've only seen so many of them. And I, I feel like I'm, you know, I'm usually pretty well informed on the class from covering high schools, but because there are so few local guys, I, I feel like a lot of this is a mystery uh, and a little, in some ways still to me, but who, who are some of the most exciting guys to you? Uh, and who do you think are kind of some of the most important guys we're, we're going to be talking about? Uh, well, I said, the next you, well, like I said, I mean, you're, you're, you know, these guys and you've seen them play some of them, mm-hmm. but I, I just know that linebacker is always a position of need yeah. recently. Uh, so I think Wesley, the same is big as if he's as good as everybody says he is, you know, that, yeah. uh, and uh, I always, you know, o- always, li- you know, Lyman, obviously Kelly is, is a big deal. I think uh, I, I like the quarterback, maybe because I know him more. I've talked to him a lot yeah. multiple times and uh, done a couple big stories on him. Jakari Brown. Um, I, I mean, I, I was going through his numbers really carefully for, before I wrote this the story that ran in yesterday's Miami Herald uh, in the Wednesday Miami Herald. Um, and he had great, he had great numbers. Yeah. He was fantastic. I mean, he was like, one of the, like, like great all-time great, like Georgia. I don't think he ever won a state title. So he's probably not on that yeah. list, but like the all-time great Georgia football players, but statistically he, his numbers are off the charts. Yeah. Really, really good. Really balanced, um, you know, throwing and passing and, What's cool is, uh, you know, I think I'm, I'm looking at what I what I wrote. Yeah, he had. What, what's cool is, as a senior this this past this past season, he had 23 touchdowns with only three interceptions. Yeah. A dual threat, okay. But he threw 23 touchdowns, only three interceptions, 882 yards rushing, 10 touchdowns. I mean, really good numbers. He hurt his ankle. I'm thinking of. Uh, Jake Garcia, both of them in boots. Yeah. Uh, in the next to the last game, in the playoff game he played in, um, uh, he really hurt it pretty bad, like a high angle sprain, but it was something with the back of his Achilles. He, it, it's in there. Um, and he's still in a boot when he has to walk a lot, but he's fine. He didn't have surgery. He'll be right. okay. It's just a long process. Um, but he's, I like him a lot because he played, he's from Valdosta, you know, Lowndes High School. And he, he played that. So he hurt himself in late November in the playoff game. Uh, he ends up winning. They end up winning the game. He hurt himself in the first quarter. Then mm-hmm. he came out of a cortisone shot at halftime 
and went out there uh, and 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 saved the game. Then goes in as a safety. I know. Okay. He had he had not played. He told me he hadn't played defense uh, uh, since freshman year. Right, he's a senior, and he gets a pick on the one play. Yeah, to seal the game. Yeah, they take over an offense, his team, and then they get do a knee, and it's over. Um, that's cool. And then the, the thing is, the next week uh, probably wasn't smart. The guy, you know, but he the next week he pl- he plays, but he couldn't move. He couldn't run. He couldn't yeah. do it. You know, and they lost because he, he he was really hurt. He probably should not have played in that game. But the point is, he cares a lot. And I like him. I like I like talking to him. He's outgoing, but very yeah. I don't know. I, I like everything about him. And I, from what I see, and also David, he's, he's, he's big. Yeah. He's six, six, six four. He told I'm me sure he can bulk what? up, right. He's got the frame to bulk up. I think he said he's about two Oh eight to me yesterday or with the last time I talked to him, we, we have two Oh four, but he's, he said he's actually a little over six, four. So I, I think he actually might be. His hands look really large. His feet, he's just a he, he's gotten the Cam Newton comparisons. Um, and Cam is was obviously, you know, he's maybe the best college football player of the last 20 years, basically. Um, so like those are really lofty expectations, but you can see like why the comparisons are there. The mod, like he's got that the, the frame, obviously, the the running ability. I think he, you know, Cam is was obviously thicker, but Again, Jakari, I'm sure he'll gain like 20 pounds basically just by getting into. Oh, uh, my God. Program. Yeah. So like, you can see it. I mean, there's more to being Cam Newton than just looking like Cam Newton and running like Cam Newton. Of course. But, uh, but, but you can see why the, the comparisons are there. And, you, and listen, we know how important everybody knows how important a quarterback is. And if they get injured, I mean, this year, really, I mean, you do have Jake. Thank goodness, yeah. Jake. Okay, who we know is really, really good, Jake Garcia, and is re- still rehabbing, rehabbing, I think, from his ankle surgery. But um, we, we know that, like, if Jake was still injured or whatever, I mean, there's just really, there's really not much behind. I don't mean to be disrespectful. Yeah, well, we haven't seen Peyton Matoka or, or Ryan Rice, who have both been no. in the program a long time now. Um, yes. So but they're, yeah, they're hopefully have been developing. But again, yeah, those guys are not. Ryan Risk was a walk-on, Peyton Matoko. Yeah, and he's probably – but they're not as – obviously, they can't be the same caliber. I mean, yeah. so um, we know how important that is every year to stack the class is to have a quarterback. Yeah, um, especially so with the transfer portal. Yeah, that's the one that, that – that guy sticks out to me, really. Maybe yeah. I got to know him a little. Yeah, I think the top five of this class in particular are all – really solid, really interesting in some ways, obviously, you know, just the top five in terms of the 24 seven composite rankings in the class, Nigel e. Kelly, Kamari Rogers, Wesley, the Saint, Chris Graves, Jakari Brown. Uh, you, you went in on Jakari there. Uh, I, I agree with pretty much everything you said, obviously quarterback always important and he's a really high upside quarterback. Um, Nigel e. Kelly is as good a defense. you know, this is a really, really good class for defensive linemen in South Florida mentioned huh. Shamar Stewart is the number one player in the state, five-star recruit. Marvin Jones Jr. is going to Georgia, five-star recruit. Kenyatta Jackson, uh, who won the Nat Moore Trophy the other night, uh, high four-star recruit, I think, going to Ohio State. Um, Nigel Leak is as good as pretty much any of them. He was a uh, 
helped Dillard win a tri-county championship last year. I think had 12 sacks this season. Um, and, you know, they don't play as many games as some of these, you know, they, they, they lost to St. Thomas Aquinas in the playoffs, right? Like they're, they're a, uh, or lost them in the regular season, lost to Homestead in the playoffs. You know, they're a good team, but they're not a perennial state championship team, but he was fantastic for them. A guy with size to play inside potentially also. Um, Wesley Bissane is not the guy I've seen the most. We've had him a first team all county guy since his sophomore year at Miami Central. Um, when they won a state championship that year and you could watch them play defense and be like, oh, that guy is the best guy on the field. Um, he was always really good in coverage, which is obviously like the kind of the most important trait for a linebacker now. Um, uh-huh. He's also gotten a lot bigger. Like he's, he's filled out and he's now also one of the hardest hitters in the state. Um, they play in the state championship uh, Friday afternoon in Fort Lauderdale. Um, yeah, he's the most important, right? I don't know if he's the most intriguing, but he's the most important because I would not be surprised if he is starting by the end of next season. Um, Kamari Rogers, who is under Armour All-American, the top cornerback in their class, coming off an ACL injury, which is obviously always like a little. Yeah, I, cracking. by the way, that's a, that to me, there's a big asterisk when yeah. you got, yeah. But I, I think for him, um, like he's just kind of really polished his dad is his coach you know he's, he's got those the long arms he's skinny is you know i saw him play at an under armor uh like all-american event over the summer he actually got hurt there too broke his finger i think in that camp um but you know he was you know skinny but just like really polished really fluid um and i think he's a track guy too so you know he's got pretty good speed but again coming off the acl and they're actually in decent shape now, like in terms of like depth at corner, right? If, assuming those guys all stick around, you got Tyreek, you've got DJ Ivy, you've got Marcus Clark, you got um, Takori Couch. Like you got a lot of guys with starting experience in that secondary where I think they can ease Kamari in and make sure he's fully healthy and all that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, kind of my favorite guy in this class is Chris Graves, uh, who is the cornerback from uh, Bishop Perot listed as an athlete over in Fort Myers, same high school as, as Malik Curtis. I think they're cousins actually, um, who was one of the recruits oh. last year and very kind of similar guy to Malik Curtis, who was one of the best wide receivers in the state, but Miami wanted him to play corner. Kind, like, it's kind of the same deal. His numbers are really good as a wide receiver, um, but they like all that speed, all that length as a cornerback for him. Um, and I think, He's a guy that Miami kind of got in on early before he like was starting to get like some of that national attention and it helped, you know, he had LSU in, he had actually South Carolina when T Rob was there. That's kind of how he wound up at Miami. He's a, he and T Rob are really tight uh, and he became really tight with DVD. Um, and then just, he showed, showed up at a couple of Miami camps and like looked really good. Like he, you look at him, he's built exactly the way you want a cornerback to look basically with the, the length and he's got speed. And I like those cornerbacks who you feel like you could also put on the field and they would be a really good wide receiver. And that's the way I feel about him. So I think that top five is really good in this class. And then I just haven't seen kind of the other three guys play as much. Marquise Williams, Isaiah Horton, and then Jaden Harris, the other addition yesterday, a three-star cornerback who apparently was a soccer player for most of his life. So uh, intrigued by him as well. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I'm still wondering about Tyreek. I, I just have this feeling he's going to go pro. Right. We haven't heard either way. I, I think it's, I, that's my prediction, but what it's just total guess, but I, 
It's like an educated guess. Feels like we'll get a better idea next week. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, because I think uh, I think it was Jess Simpson said that, you know, they'll be saying something soon enough. To me, that sounds like he's going to go pro. I don't know. When we talked to Jess, when I talked to Jess last. So, yeah, you were on that call. All right, um, let's wrap up. I guess we're just like a couple other news and notes. As you mentioned, we talked to Jess Simpson. Uh, that was Friday, right? So that was after we recorded. Um, not a whole lot out of that um, media availability, right? We got uh, Tyreek okay. is not obviously doubtful for the, the game as we you were just kind of hinting at. I had a shoulder injury down the stretch. Kind of makes sense for him not to play. Right. Um, John Ford also not playing. He was dealing with injuries down the stretch and, and basically but he's, getting ready I think he's draft. NFL. He's going to leave for the NFL. Yeah, exactly. I think it's kind of yeah. – if he was healthy, I wonder if he would still be – remember, he was dealing with an ankle injury down the stretch too. Um, Jess Simpson obviously coaching the game. Uh, Rob Likens, the OC. T-Rob, the DC. Um, Todd Stroud kind of coaching the game, which is kind of fun, uh, filling in that defensive line position. Yeah, defensive line coach because Jess is going to be busy with the uh, head coaching responsibilities and uh, Benedict Hippolyte, former uh, Carroll city coach, who is a GA now uh, going to coach wide receivers in the game with, with Likens moving up to OC uh, with Brett Lashley going to SMU. Uh, Garen justice also going to coach in the game, even though he was just hired as uh, SMU's offensive line coach. Um, I don't know, just anything from that, first chat kind of leading into the bowl game that, that stood out to you? Yeah, I think I, yeah, Jess Simpson is really uh, pumped up. Yeah. You feeling. Oh, definitely. To be the head coach. He was a head coach for many years. Buford, is it? Buford. Buford High. Oh, no, and, I, speaking of all-time greats in Georgia, I'm pretty sure he's regarded Georgia. as the best coach yeah, in he's, history. Exactly. And, uh, but he's never, and he said it's his dream kind of thing. Right to be a, to be a head coach anyway in college, and I think he's really really into it. Um, so I, you know, who knows what their futures are? But I think they really want to. I think they want to look good as far as the players go. I have no idea. We haven't had access, right? Um, really to the players uh, to see they were studying for finals this week. Yeah. I think right, and then yeah, finals this week. I would guess they're back at practice probably like Sunday. Yeah, I would think that that's what I I would think this weekend so at some point back at practice, and then for a few days only, and then they break for Christmas. So they're not going to have a lot of practice. I I don't know. Supposedly they've been uh, like lifting and working out, but who knows with everything that's been going on, and you know with the turnover and the the, the recruiting going on and coaching. Yeah probably haven't been able to, to stay as uh, invested in all that stuff uh, with them, with the recruiting. So we'll, we'll see. I, UM, you know, I, they don't seem to win a lot of bowl games in the last many years. So um, it would be really nice if they could go out with a win. It would really be great for Mario. Yeah. So they haven't won a lot of bowl games in recent years, but they've also not typically had a quarterback as good as their quarterback. So I, weirdly, I feel more optimistic, True. even if Manny was still the coach. Like, it's not even just like Mario Cristobal optimism. Like, the way they were playing down the stretch makes – yeah, we, we we wrote about this, that they usually finish the season so terribly. And they actually, other than the Florida State game, finished the season pretty well, which has me feeling a little bit more optimistic about their bowl fortunes. 
Then I, think I guess so. I, going in. And Washington State also has had turnover. So yeah, exactly. They're in a they're in a uh, strange situation. Also, yeah. So they'll practice next week. It sounds like we'll get some sort of availability then, um, and then take a couple of days off for Christmas, and then head out. I think they said they're going to be out in, in El Paso for like three or four days, right? Of practice. Yeah, I think maybe the twenty sixth, something like that. They leave. Yeah. Right? The, uh, yeah. So they'll get a nice. I think that'll be good for them. Um, so like. Like we said, it's been so hectic around campus, right? You know the guys are, are feeling it, like all the uncertainty. The coaches certainly are. I think it'll probably be good for them to get away a little bit. Um, oh, yeah. So. I, no, no, nothing like El Paso. And it's kind of like we've been so caught up in this Mario Cristobal whirlwind. And I, I think people, like, I, I almost wonder if, like, Miami fans are, like, because they, I think Miami fans, for the most part, had, had a lot of fun watching the second half of this season, right? Again, other than yes. the Florida State yes. team. Um just because of Tyler Van Dyke and, you know, James Williams, obviously not going to play in the bowl game, but Tyler Van Dyke and a couple of the other young guys that just seem to keep popping, um, you know, Cam Kenshin's Leonard Taylor, you know, it's a Chase Smith and Alaska. Like it just, it feels like, I, I think people are going to forget how, how fun it is to watch this, this version of Miami. And it's going to be a nice pl- pleasant surprise on New Year's Eve to, uh, yeah, to see as long as it doesn't there. snow. Yeah. <laughs> it's be an early day for us out in out in El Paso too. Yes, the game starts at, at 10 a.m. I think their time. Local, yeah, because it's a noon game, right? Uh, last bit of news from the week: um, Dan Radakovich, now the athletic director. I can't remember if we talked about. You know, we kind of knew he was obviously going to be the guy, but I can't remember if we reported last week after it was officially announced. Ah. Uh. But you obviously talked to him on a uh, teleconference right. last week. He had another press conference on Tuesday. Um, the big takeaway is kind of the big takeaway we've been hearing, right? Just like they're going to spend some money, right? In, in yeah. Obviously, just even getting him in here took, took a lot of money. Um, so, I don't know. Impressive. Impressive. Yeah. You real like, he's from Clemson, and they've been one of the most successful athletic departments in the country for – the last 10 years like you get it right when you when you meet him yeah very very impressive man you just know right that you, you met him i mean he's, he's gonna get things done yeah. he's really methodical very smart very sure of himself without i just smart just um everybody's excited about him coaches everybody from football down you know on down to the olympic sports uh to facilities he won't do He'll make sure before, he's very organized. Uh, he's good. That's all. He's good. Whatever. It's kind of exciting to about what the stuff he's going to do. And he's not going to, he's not a knee jerk kind of guy. He's going to do a lot of research. Yeah. I thought it was interesting. You know, he obviously got asked a lot about facilities upgrades on Tuesday when he had his, his bigger press conference. And I thought it was interesting that he was like, he wasn't just like, yeah, we gotta, we're gonna spend money and, and build things, right? He was like, there. He kind of was measured, talking about, you know, the, everyone's been talking about people. Like, there are different ways to spend money in, in college sports efficiently, uh, other than facilities upgrades. And yeah, Miami could probably use some facilities upgrades here and there, but um, he's not gonna just because Miami fans all say, oh, we need facilities upgrades. He's not gonna just say, all right, let's do it because Miami fans all want an on-campus stadium. He's not just gonna be like, all right, let's build a stadium. He's gonna. Actually, think it all through. Yeah, I don't think that's happening. I don't. I don't think so either. Happening, but if not for a long time. Yeah. 
I don't think that's, and by the way, just for the record here, I just looked up on my nifty phone. El Paso is two hours behind us. The game's at noon. Okay. So it's 10 10 a.m. there in El Paso. We're going to have a game that starts at 10, but it's noon here. Either way, it's good. Yeah. Very deadline friendly. Um, Deadline friendly. And then it's New Year's Eve, too. Any final takeaways from, from your first couple conversations with Dan Radakovich? Radakovich. Radakovich. That's how you pronounce Radikovich. it. Not Radakovich. <laughs> anyway, Radikovich. I'm, yeah, just impressed. Very impressed. So I, smart man, confident. A lot uh, of softball talk at his press conference. Manny Navarro wanted to make sure uh, all, yeah. of his, all of his neighbors were stop hounding him about when Miami Miami's going to add softball. I mean, but you know what? Again, he's going to be very methodical. I don't think he, you know, I he's not like, oh, let's add softball. Yes, yeah. because it, it's very, very uh, intricate as far as Title Nine, and if you add something, you might have to take something away, mm-hmm. uh, or you know, it's a lot of things cost money, a lot of money. And I'm not saying they don't have a softball stadium either on campus. Like no, I, yeah, it's everything. One thing is one thing equals everything. So uh, it's not just it's just not in a vacuum. Yeah. So he'll he'll he could, but I, it's not like he's going to come in and say let's add softball. I think it's he's going to be there a while, and he's going to um, he's going to scope it all out, and 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 it seems like. The administration is uh, has really taking athletics seriously. I don't think he would have come here otherwise. Yeah, definitely not. Um, so, or or Mario wouldn't have come here. Um, so, uh, yeah, I I'm just Im- Im- impressed all the way around. He's he's big time. Mm-hmm. All right, we can wrap things up there. Uh, you can follow Susan on Twitter at smilardegnan. Uh, check out all of our National Signing Day coverage and, and keep t- keep. Stay tuned because there could be more coming in the next couple of days. Um, obviously, we, we wrote, we had a live blog going all day yesterday combined on a, uh, a story about, oh, we didn't talk about Mario Cristobal's latest. He's, he's very blatantly pandering to the Cuban coffee crowd, which is <laughs> very efficient, like very effective. <laughs> yeah. I had a friend was t- joking with me that like, you got to just like, you've clearly found out the tweeting out Mario Cristobal quotes about how much. He likes Miami, get you a lot of interaction on Twitter. And yes, that is 100% true. He knows that it gets people excited. I know that him talking about it gets people on Twitter excited. Keep them coming, Mario. Yeah, agree. I think I think we should have a Cuban coffee set up at, at our uh, pressers. Oh, my God. How about in the press box? We, let's get Mario on that. Yeah, well, they have it in baseball. Yeah, so. they have it at Marlins Park. Um, occasionally they have it at heat games. Bustelo will have like a little stand set, set up sometimes. Um, but yeah, let's, let's get that in the hard rock stadium. Press box. I would, that would be, that would be really great actually. <laughs> yeah. I think if we, if we, uh, pester Mario enough, he, he can maybe get something done for us. Um, really great. You also talked to Jakari Brown ahead of signing day. Um, so check that out. If you want to read up on Miami's new quarterback, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at DB Wilson too. Again, I was all over signing day stuff the last couple of days. Uh, state yes, championships are about to get underway here in South Florida, um, which is pretty cool. Uh, I, I forgot though that it's going to like take me two hours to get from South Miami to, to drive Pink Stadium at 
5 p.m. So I forgot about that. That's not great. But generally, um, Cardinal Gibbons will play tonight. That game will have already happened. Miami Central Friday afternoon, St. Thomas Aquinas Friday night. So I'll, I'll be out at all those games. I also talked to, like I said, a bunch of high school coaches about what it takes to recruit South Florida. Um, and I thought that got, you know, a pretty good summation of what matters, right? I, I talked to most of the guys who, you know, most of those, it's all anonymous, but you've probably heard of most of the coaches I talked to. So like, you know, the, the guys who matter share, basically got to candidly share their takes uh, for Mario Cristobal, Billy Napier, Mike Norvell. Um, we didn't talk a whole lot about Florida state, um, but the Travis Hunter thing yesterday is one of the craziest, probably the most like mainstream recruiting story I can ever remember. Yeah, that was, uh, that was amazing. Yeah. A a pretty good summation of where things are at, um, in, in, uh, college football recruiting right now. Um, anyway, uh, thanks as always for listening, everyone. And we will talk to you guys next week. Care everybody. 